You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. It's our show, The Social Club, where we talk about all the big stories from across the Premier League. And we didn't actually have one scheduled for today. I've got to be completely honest, but we've called an emergency edition of The Social Club because of the big news coming out from just down the road. So on this show, we're going to be talking about Spurs' decision to part ways with Nuno Espirito Santo. We're going to be discussing the imminent appointment of Antonio Conte, whether or not Arsenal should be worried about it. We'll also be talking a little bit about Unai Emery, who is apparently leading the race to become the new Newcastle United manager. I'm joined tonight by the brilliant Dan Lucas. I'm sure we'll get a Pep Guardiola rant in there somewhere as well. Welcome back to the show, Dan. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back on. A busy and unexpected day um, in the life of a Spurs fan. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine um, that it's been a busy day. It's been, I mean, uh, look, let's let's get straight to it. I think we all expected Nuno to get sacked, right? The game at the weekend against Manchester United was dubbed El Sakico. And a lot of people were kind of saying that in jest and joking about it. But actually, it proved to be true because the losing manager has since lost his job. Let's start with Nuno Espirito Santo because I feel, and and I'll share my views in a little bit more depth in a bit, I feel like he was incredibly hard done by. I feel like he never had the opportunity to succeed at Tottenham. I feel like the fact he came in as sixth, seventh choice always meant he was swimming against the tide. What are your thoughts on the sacking of Nuno? Was it justified? Did it need to happen? Or, or do you have some sympathy for him? Look, I, I don't, I don't like it. Okay, I, I don't like a, a manager coming to Tottenham and getting four months. I think the managerial search took five months. You know, and um, in less the time. Nuno's already out the door. I don't like the fact that he hasn't really been given an opportunity to um, to, to settle in at the club. But actually, the reality is that the players haven't let him. And that's the thing that upsets me the most. I think Nuno Espirito Santo is um, he's a good bloke. He's, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a respectful human being. I think it's pretty sad that, you know, I saw him when he took over. You could see a guy who was really happy and proud to be at the club. And it's all over for him before before it began. So that does make me feel uncomfortable, if, if I'm honest. Um, maybe I'm too soft. But there are players that... Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur are not enjoying a good time. They are not in a good place. And that takes a certain skill set. And Nuno Espirito Santo did not have that skill set. He did not have the experience to prepare him for this job. And unfortunately, Spurs, whether people agree or not or laugh or not, Spurs have had a a relative amount of success in the last five or six years. And that has turned Spurs into a club where managers don't get that time to, to settle in and learn on the job. You have results and you have performances um, you can't get away with not having both. And Nuno Espirito Santo has lost five league games and the performances have been dire. And I think he needed one of the two to, to get away with it. Um, the football has been absolutely dreadful. The players don't look interested. The game against Arsenal, really, even though it was only the second defeat, um, his second defeat in the league, um, it might be the third defeat, it's not important, even though it was it was really early, to set up in that game with no midfield and lose in that manner, you, you've already lost the fan base that was divided in the first place. And, and this is the problem that I think Arsenal fans might sympathise with a little bit. When you've had a manager who the whole fan base is behind for a period of time, like Wenger, 
like Pochettino, then you go to the next manager after that or the next manager after that that divides the fan base, you find you haven't got to lose that many more of the fans that you had to, to suddenly have the majority of the club not really wanting you there from the outset. And it's really hard for you to settle, if that makes sense. Nuno had... Um, he had no chance of doing well in this job, apart from an absolutely freak sequence of results, which, you know, one good month showed a bit of promise. But for Nuno to survive here, he was going to he was going to have to put together a freak sequence of results um, in the first nine to twelve months to really get the fans on side. And I don't think with the players we've got from an attitude perspective, I don't think he was a strong enough character to deal with the Tottenham Hotspur job. And I feel sorry for him. So let me let me just share my views on this because listen and we we've been joking about it over the last few days as Arsenal fans you know keep Nuno in the job keep Oli in the job you know these guys uh, you know they're never going to take their teams to that next level which for us is obviously uh, a positive but let, let let's break it down and let's be completely honest here okay in my opinion looking from the outside in and and as soon as I wrap this up feel free to jump in and and let me know if I've said anything that you believe to be inaccurate. He had Maurizio Pochettino at the club. Daniel Levy had Maurizio Pochettino at the club overachieving. A bit like Arsene Wenger was at Arsenal during the difficult years. When the club were cash-strapped, trying to pay off the stadium, Arsene Wenger was overachieving year in, year out, keeping Arsenal in the top four. How was he doing it? He was recruiting well. He was coaching well. Now, Pochettino was similar in the sense that Daniel Levy probably felt that this guy could get us through this period, help us in the lead up to the new stadium, took Spurs to a Champions League final, which is unheard of. And at the first sign of trouble, when it went a little bit south for Maurizio Pochettino, Daniel Levy hit the panic button. He, in his mind, thought we can't be in this position. We're Champions League finalists hit the panic button, got rid of Maurizio Pochettino, brought in Jose Mourinho, who he thought was a low-risk appointment, a manager who has been there, done it, has won it all, but wasn't the fit for Tottenham Hotspur. He stuck with him for a while, and again, when the going got tough, he hit the panic button, so much so that he sacked him a few days before a final. Then he makes another panic decision, in appointing Nuno Espirito Santo after he fails to land a number of more suitable targets. And at the first sign of trouble, again, with Nuno, nine, ten games into the season, he's hit the panic button again. Nuno Espirito Santo, to me, Dan, never had a chance to succeed. Like you said, Harry Kane doesn't want to be at the football club. That's a massive <coughs> issue for Tottenham right now because he was carrying the side for years. And he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't look interested in the slightest. And that is because Daniel Levy has not taken the correct decision with regards to him either. So Daniel Levy is the root of all of Tottenham's problems. Listen, long may it continue. But Daniel Levy is is at the centre of all of this, surely. I, I think he is at the centre of of it. He's been a very prominent figure at the... Um at the club in terms of in terms of his level of involvement over the years. Um I do think though just because someone is a problem like Daniel Levy, that doesn't mean every single one of those points is is necessarily fair. Um so for example, making the wrong decision regarding Kane, well that's very easy to say that now. Now we're 10 games in and he, he's at a run rate of four league goals a season. He scored one. He's wasn't not playing very... Wasn't it easy to say that when the player went on Gary Neville's overlap, whatever it was, and literally said, I don't want to be here. He literally said it. Well, yes and no. I, I think so. We, we've had situations in the past with, with, with Luka Modric where he stayed an extra season. He gave us a good season. We, we had a situation with Gareth Bow. He stayed an extra season. He went on to score, I think. I think 30 goals that season. Um, Arsenal had situations with Fabregas. He stayed longer. He performed in those seasons. The same with Patrick Vieira. Um, there, there is there is form of players staying 
and continuing to perform. There was no reason to suspect with Harry Kane, particularly at that time and the professionalism he displayed, that he was going to down tools. And there's still an argument that says with Harry Kane, it's it, it's more than just it's more than just this. So flipping it on its head, if Harry Kane went to Manchester City, as was expected, and he had just scored his ninth goal of the season while Spurs were struggling, it would have been the wrong decision then as well. So I, I think it's really easy now to say, well, he 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 should have let Harry Kane go. Obviously, he, he didn't. We don't know for sure what money was on the table. We don't know for sure what replacements he sought out and could or could not get. But I, I do believe with Daniel Levy, there was a deal on the table that was good enough for Tottenham and replacement players to come in to replace a striker at that time. I, I still feel he would have taken it. I don't think those options were there. So I, I do think it's a bit... I, I'm not I'm not here to defend Daniel Levy on this show. Don't don't misunderstand me. He's, you know, he's making mistakes. I, I'm just saying it's very easy. It's the same with a manager that every failure has to have a symbol. You know, there always seems to be a scapegoat in every single club for some 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 form of failure. That doesn't mean they're responsible for absolutely everything and everything they do is incorrect. I think Pochettino's sacking was understandable at that time. If you're pertaining to be a big club, that's how a big club would act. You know, we saw at Arsenal again, like the, the impact of hanging on to a manager a little bit longer than you should can be detrimental as well. I, I think in hindsight, the mistake was before sacking Pochettino by not giving him enough money to build the rebuild the squad like he wanted to. That that's more of a mistake than getting rid of him. I, I think getting rid of him, you're almost, you know, in a way, you're almost admitting that you fouled the guy. Mourinho on paper made sense. It was risky. I, I know you were pretty confident that Mourinho wouldn't work out for, for Tottenham and it, it kind of proved correct. I don't think he did a bad job at Tottenham, um, if I'm honest. I, I felt if he stayed a bit longer, he might have weeded out um, a few more of the, the players we're seeing here. Um, and then obviously, this summer was an absolute mess and that was the final straw for Levy in terms of most of the um, most of his supporters at Tottenham. But this summer was an absolute mess. And if you look at the Kane situation, there's more there's more than um, just staying at the club now. He's had to stay at the club when he perhaps didn't want to. Um, he's had a long summer. He's had another couple of injuries. Then he's had to sit at home and watch a managerial farce. Then Espirito Santo turns up and the football has been absolutely dour. The chances created for him is miserable. If you're in a bad place and a little bit down anyway, nothing about that is going to inspire you or motivate you to bring those in. To, to bring that extra 5 or 10% out. Now, people could argue and say, well, that's not good enough. And yeah, that, that is true. But I think with, with Harry Kane particularly, that there's a perfect storm of events there um, that's that's far beyond just just having to stay at the football club. Nuno Espirito Santo is a very, very defensive and pragmatic coach. I mean, you've watched a lot of our games. I've obviously watched all of them. The way we have played, the way we've tried to attack, the amount of shots has been absolutely appalling. The lack of any kind of cohesive structure in an attacking sense. At least last year, under Mourinho, oddly, for Mourinho's side, we couldn't defend, but we could attack. This season, we've not been able to attack. So it's for Harry Kane, he's probably looking around thinking, you know, you've kept me here for this. And he's probably feeling a bit a bit down on a bit down on his um down on his luck with his career coming to an end. So I, I guess what I'm saying with Kane is I, I get it. Um, with Nuno Espirito Santo, I agree. He he was he was bought in because apparently there was no one else and he was never, ever going to succeed in this job. So pulling the trigger early to some degree makes makes sense. It's Again, it's what a big club would do. It just, it just doesn't feel like a... It doesn't feel like a very ethical ethical sequence of events, I, I guess, from the summer to now, where we've act, we've reluctantly appointed the guy, we've given him an opportunity at a big club, and he's won three of his first three games, nine points from nine, and at the first sign of trouble, the crack started to appear, and I just I want to see something happen to the players now as well. There are certain players here that you know, really do need to be moved on in January or sent out on loan or maybe, I mean, there, there are, there are loads and we're talking about effort and attitude here. Um, 
you've seen a lot of um you know a lot of talk around the forums today about how poor Tottenham squad is anything as a squad if you if you if you write all the players down in a line um you know you you soon run out of good players but there are still enough good players there individually who are capable of performing with the right tactics with the right manager with the right with the right attitude and the right level of motivation um Nuno wasn't that person Antonio Conte on paper should be that person um for that for that quick fix that that Tottenham and some of those players need but it's not acceptable to for certain players now to down tools every time things start to go wrong under a certain manager it's it's an unsustainable sequence of events you know we can't keep doing this to put this in context harry you know the for me tottenham got to the champions league final you can't dine out on that forever it's only two years ago so so i think we can still dine out on it for a bit we can still claim to be a big club for another year or two but if we had if we got rid of nuno and bought in eddie howe you know that's just another another appointment that evaporates that away so while we can attract managers like Mourinho, managers like Conte. We've still got a chance of, of, of surviving this, what is now a significant dip in form. Um, but Conte's remit has to be to fix this squad. It doesn't matter to me if he's there in five years' time or three years' time. We need someone now. So when you look at the dismissal of Espirito Santo, if that is going to be followed up with Antonio, Antonio Conte, unfortunately... It's an absolute no-brainer for Tottenham and where they are, because because we need we need energy, motivation, and discipline installed in that dressing room with the players that are there now, and then someone with the balls to to, to move them on, who's not just happy to be there. Yeah, I, I completely agree that if you're going to move Nuno on, you do it for somebody like Antonio Conte. I get that. I think Antonio Conte is a top top manager. I think me and you have spoken on this show in the past about how highly we rate him, how good he is that he is probably pound for pound, to use a boxing phrase, Alavi will be proud, um, you know, one of the, the best managers on the continent. I don't think there's any question about that. My question, I guess, is I'm Antonio Conte. I didn't want to join this club in the summer. After long talks, after extensive talks, after advanced talks, and I know for a fact that the people at Tottenham Hotspur were preparing an announcement for the appointment of Antonio Conte during the summer. That broke down. Didn't happen. What's changed in the space of two months? If I'm Antonio Conte, what the hell has changed? The squad is just as bad as it was then. Harry Kane, who was the prime asset or is the prime asset, is not performing anywhere near his level. What, what What's changed in that period of time that's led to Antonio Conte going, OK, I'll take it. Is it money? Because I can't think of anything else. I don't know. I guess from a from a Spurs fan perspective, I mean, this this deal hasn't happened yet. It, you know, we we were here three months ago, and we could have had a show like this where we would have said Conte is going to be announced tomorrow. Now, if that announcement was prepared three months ago, but the rumours are, they could have just wheeled it out of the cupboard and played it today. So there's still discussions going on. Um, so hopefully, there's not. Well, hopefully, I'm not left disappointed again. But um, what's changed? As a Spurs fan, I guess you can only hope that there have been promises made that weren't there before. Or you can only hope... Um, and you know when I'm talking about Tottenham on this show, I always try to make Arsenal comparisons because you, 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 because we've got the listener base and it's, it's easy to relate what I'm saying. But no one likes Stan Kroenke. Maybe what's changed is Daniel Levy has finally fucking realised what is happening before his eyes. And maybe he's realising that it doesn't take a lot to undo a whole lot of good work. And what I was saying there, whereby the dining out on the Champions League final has got a shelf life. And that shelf life is this appointment. It's now. And he's realised... He's realised how how bad the state has got really, really quickly. Because everyone can have... You say the same about Harry Kane. Everyone can have a bad game. Everyone can have a bad month. That bad month soon turns into three months. That three months soon turns into a season. And if the next season doesn't start well, suddenly 
suddenly your career's your career's over. Delhi Alley's a perfect example. A few bad games, a bit sad about the final. A few bad games when Harry Kane was injured. A few bad games under the next manager, and now suddenly you're looking at a player who who who's who's not the same player. And I think the only hope can be the penny is dropped. Um, Daniel Levy realizes the gravity of the situation, and that ten to fifteen years of of hard work is going to end up behind the likes of Everton and West Ham very, very quickly on, on a regular basis. And, and Leicester City, with all due respect, I know they've won a league title and an FA Cup, but they're not the sort of clubs you want to be behind when you've been when you've been working hard for 10, 15 years. You've just seen the emergence of Newcastle. You know, how long how how long before they're another I know on on this show you had a, a discussion with um Harry DeCosimo about is it another club Arsenal fallen behind? So mm-hmm. I, I guess there's a hope that those events and the pennies finally dropped with Daniel Levy that actually we can't do this the way you wanted to anymore we've sweated Pochettino and the squad to pieces and now we have to do it in a completely different way and he's gone back to Antonio Conte and the only only other thing that might have changed is in the summer the timing of the discussions with Conte were simultaneous or just before the discussions with Paratici and then Conte pulled out and Paratici joined the next day there was something really weird about the timing of those events but Let's be clear, Conte's been offered something that he fancies. Conte would only have to wait another two weeks, three weeks. He could have the Man United job if he wanted it. Um, it was only three weeks ago, there was a lot of talk in the Arsenal forums about, well, let's get rid of Arteta now and bring in Conte. In Newcastle, I've got a whole load of money to spend. They could easily ring up Conte. So he's been offered something. I, I, I have to believe that. And okay, I, let, let me put it to you this way then. One of the things that, you know, so Arsenal were in a similar situation, okay, where they had a manager who was a bit of a kind of, a bit of a hero in Arsene Wenger, but it started to go south towards the end. Now, obviously, Arsenal's decline happened over a much longer period of time than Maurizio Pochettino's did, but I'm trying to make the comparison to kind of show where I'm coming from. So you've got a manager who's got credit in the bank. Very quickly gets into a place where he's got no credit in the bank anymore or very little, or at least in the club's eyes, not so much in the fans, but the club are at a point where they don't feel that this is the guy to take them forward anymore. You bring in the next manager and you bring in Jose Mourinho, like we brought in Unai Emery, and you hope that that manager can come in, take all the good things that that manager left behind, because there were some good things, but just that freshening up of things the great the experience which Unai Emery certainly had when we hired him, just like Mourinho had when you guys hired him. And you hope that that manager can turn the ship around really, really quickly. But it doesn't work. It didn't work for us. It didn't work for you. Then we're in a place where the reset button needs to be hit. Now, I've been very critical of Arsenal in a lot of ways over the last couple of years. But what you cannot deny they have done is they've looked at everything, the overall picture, players on high contracts, players that don't want to be there, players that are underperforming. They've hit the reset button. They've put Mikel Arteta in place. They've given him money to bring in players that he wants. They've also given him money to pay off players that he doesn't want and get them out of the club. And there's an acceptance within Arsenal Football Club, at least, not always within the fan base, but at least at Arsenal Football Club, that a major reset was needed and the only way to get back to anywhere like where we need to be is to to carry that out. Now, I feel that Spurs are in that exact same position. It's gone stale. There are players there that don't want to be there. There are players that need to be moved on and a rebuild needs to happen. Is Antonio Conte on an 18-month contract, which is what it's rumoured to be, the answer to Tottenham's problems or is Daniel Levy putting a band-aid essentially over the problem and is he going to have to again 18 months down the line rethink the whole plan again maybe but I don't think it I don't think it matters really I think um Mourinho there was a bounce off of Mourinho, off of Mourinho again there were excuses again he wasn't properly backed in the in the transfer market really he did bring in some players um, but he, he he didn't really get what he wanted, and I, I didn't feel his requests were particularly unreasonable. 
You know, we're still a we're still a, a professional football club with only one senior striker, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but with 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 Levy, that there's always been a plan of sorts until recently, where it's it's come off the rail spectacularly. <clears throat> but you look at the Pochettino sacking and the timing of it. Part of that sacking and the timing of it, yeah, the results weren't good. Yeah, things had gone stale. That that team had come to the end of its cycle, and 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 results were poor. But also, Mourinho was available, so he pounced. Um, maybe Nuno Espirito Santo would have got another couple of months if Conte wasn't available with other potential clubs sharking around. So, if I'm going to give Daniel Levy a little bit of credit, if you've made a mistake fixing it. It, you know, it, it, it's the right thing to fix it. What Spurs and Arsenal are in slightly different positions in that I don't believe Spurs have got three years. We haven't got three years to go into Point Graham Potter, for example, and say, here you go, mate, you've got three years, take as long as you need, clear out all the deadwood, you know, we'll sell Kane, we'll get why, rid of why, Ali. Why have Spurs not got it but Arsenal? <laughs> why? Where Spurs, Spurs are... Spurs have been, you know, level two, just below the big boys. Yeah, we've come down a peg. Another three years, all those near achievements are past memories. In three years' time, are we capable of attracting a manager like Antonio Conte at all? Grand Potter will still be there. You can't do it the other way around. If we appoint Grand Potter and in three years it doesn't work, like... Mikel Arteta is only just starting to string together something that resembles performances and results combined. We've had some results. We've had some performances with unfortunate results. Now there's just a little hint that we're getting the two. If Spurs wait three years and that doesn't work out with that manager, what do we do then? Where, where do we go then? What, what, what happens? Spurs haven't won league titles. Not a secret. Arsenal had in the past. Arsenal have still got that stature in the bank that they could sack Arteta tomorrow if they wanted to and bring in a big manager. I don't think Spurs will be there um, in, in two years' time. I mean, Spurs are Spurs are hanging on to the coattails of the big European sides off the back of two or three good seasons and. To, that that becomes a distant memory very very quickly. If you get what I'm saying, not in this country, not amongst Spurs fans. Spurs fans will remember that. English fans will remember it. But a top European manager in three years' time won't care. Like, but then I guess my pushback to that would be: What's the point in bringing in the Mourinho's and the Contes if you're <coughs> not going to give them the platform upon which they can succeed? And this is the point I always make to people about Mikel Arteta, right? So Mikel Arteta has been given the time, okay? And we might get to a point where we decide as a football club that Mikel Arteta can't go to the next level, in which case you go on and you bring in a higher caliber manager. But that means, or that doesn't mean that Arteta's done no good work because getting rid of a load of players like he has, bringing in a load of younger players bringing in the likes of Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, or he didn't bring Saka in essentially, but he, you know, took him up to another level, I believe, gave him more game time. So you've got that young core assembled by Mikel Arteta. If he doesn't get to that level, that appointment hasn't been a waste or a mistake because you've laid the foundation for somebody else to come in and take it on to the next level. But at Tottenham, for me, it feels like that foundation level that Poch put, has gone and they haven't tried to rebuild that with their strategy, with the way they've gone forward. They're going for quick appointment, quick appointment, quick appointment. Now you can do that when you're Chelsea because you can give him all the money in the summer to go out and, and do what he needs to do. Thomas yeah. Tuchel came into Chelsea. He had a team ready made that was good enough. It just wasn't yeah. being coached right. Tottenham don't have a team ready-made that's good enough to achieve their objectives, in my opinion. You look through that team. I've, I've got the first team squad up on my screen, okay? Matt Doherty, average player. Pierre-Emil Hoybjerg, hugely overrated for me. You know, you move into midfield, people like Harry Winks, 
You look at Joe but, Roden, Emerson Royale. But to be to, to be fair, there's so many of them. Dan. But to be fair, though, you've picked players there, and to call them first team players is a little bit a little bit loose. I think Doherty started once this season. Winks maybe right, once. Run, run me through the starting eleven. The fact that Eric Dyer plays at centre back so, for Tottenham. So, so it's not great, but I, I, I'll agree with the point you made there, and, and and I completely agree with this. And I've made this point to people a hundred times in the past ten years. Every every man, almost every manager, if you look at it after they've gone, will have contributed something in some way to the football club. You know. Tim Sherwood was at Tottenham for, for six months. People will say it was embarrassing. I call Arteta the Spanish Sherwood, as you know, because they're, they're, they're basically the same. Harsh. Um, Incredibly harsh. Oh, he's frozen. I think Dan's frozen. Get your, look, while Dan's coming back onto the stream, is he back? Dan, you, you there, mate? No, I think we've lost him. I think we've lost him. While, uh, while Dan's logging back in, uh, let me just, uh, it's not. Let me, I think now we've lost him. We've lost him. Let me take Dan out of there and Dan can rejoin, uh, the call. Um, while we are waiting for Dan to reappear, cause that discussion was just getting juicy. It was just getting, uh, <laughs> to the main point, but let me know your thoughts in the chat box and I'll take some of your thoughts and some of your points on this whole thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just feel like, Tottenham haven't laid that foundation yet to then get the likes of Conte, Mourinho in. It's like they're missing a step. Dan, is he back with us? No, he's not. He's going to have to uh, rejoin the uh, the call. Anyway, let me know your thoughts in, uh, in the uh, chat box because I'd love to hear from you. In fact, I'm going to head over there right now and pick up some of them. And I did put a poll in the chat, which we'll come back to in a couple of moments as well. Um, where there was a, yeah, there was a poll. Should Arsenal be concerned by Spurs' imminent appointment of Antonio Conte? And 62% of you say no. 62% of you say no, Arsenal should not be concerned. And the reason I'm not massively concerned is that very reason I've explained. I feel like they're missing a massive step in their rebuild and they're trying to go for gold by appointing a Mourinho or appointing a Conte but forgetting almost or overlooking the fact that this squad needs breaking up and needs putting back together with fresh, new, hungry young players. Because so many of those players have hit their peak at Tottenham. They've they've gone to the, the pinnacle by getting to that Champions League final and they're not going to go any further. So th that's where I'm at on this. Dan, I'll bring you back in, mate. Um, I, I honestly, I thought you um, hung up on me because I, I called Arsenal the Spanish Sherwood. I could. Oh no, no, no! I, I heard you up to that point. I was just saying to the guys, like, get your thoughts in the chat, and we'll come to some of those in a minute. But just to kind of go back to what we were talking about, I do feel like Spurs are missing a massive step in their rebuild, in what needs to happen for them to have a successful rebuild after that <coughs> height of hitting the Champions League final, and that step is cutting some of these players loose rebuilding that might not necessarily be done by a Mourinho or a Conte is the point I'm making, but to keep a point in these managers is great on paper, but do they have the platform that they need to succeed quickly enough? Maybe, maybe not, but I guess my question, my question to, to me, obviously I'm delighted with Antonio Conte. If he's going to manage I, before I knew he was coming to Tottenham, um, in the summer, I've said to you, I think he's the best manager in the world. If he's going to come to Tottenham, and that's what I thought before, and I'm absolutely delighted. But, you know, the question is, who would you go for? Because, because let's, let's, let's be fair, taking Arteta and bringing him in and giving him three years, where I called him the Spanish Sherwood, I'm half joking. But it's the same principle as taking Mike, as Tottenham saying tomorrow, I tell you what, we're going to appoint Michael Carrick. There you go. He played for us in midfield. He was a good footballer. He used to pass the ball nice. We'll get Michael Carrick. Whatever you want to do, Michael, take it's as long as you need me. It's not the same. Of course it's, it's, course it's, it's the same. not. It's not because you're overlooking the fact that Mikel Arteta was a very, very highly rated coach before he came to Arsenal as the manager. Now, yes, of course, he's not experienced. And the experience part is always going to be the big question mark that hangs over him. But his reputation as a coach within the game, and anybody involved in the Premier League will tell you this, 
was incredibly strong. So it's not, yeah, but, it's but not again, going and plucking someone out who just used to play for us, is it? No, I know, but it, it kind of is because I don't think he'd be your manager if he didn't used to, if he didn't used to play for you. I don't think you'd have appointed him. Um, you know, I remember like jovially. Do you remember when John Carver was the best coach in the league? Do, do, what, what, is, what does that what does that mean? It, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It's to, to, for someone behind the scenes to say, well, he's a good coach. He's highly thought of as a coach. We've never seen him manage before, but we're going to trust you with everything for three years. It It's a risky strategy. It might pay off. Do I want to sit here and watch Tottenham for another two years go through that process when there is a manager of Antonio Conte's calibre available? Okay, let me, let me flip so, it back. Let, let me put it this way then. Do you think, or, or the, the, shouldn't the fact that Jose Mourinho, someone as experienced as he is, and I know you really admire Jose Mourinho and what yeah, he's yeah. achieved throughout his career. Yeah. The fact that he couldn't do it <clears throat> with this setup, doesn't that tell you that there's something deeper that's the problem? And therefore, yeah, yeah, it does. he's yeah. ripping out and building again, surely. Yeah, yeah, it does. But there's different ways to there's different ways to try and build stuff. Now, now before when Mourinho was appointed, you weren't alone in this, but you said before he came that it wouldn't work and he's not the same manager anymore. I don't think we can say that about Antonio Conte, for example. So so you could argue there's a slightly better starting position there anyway. There's different ways of doing this, but the, the default position for rival fans for certain appointments is always, well, oh, well, he'll be gone in two years. And I'm like, well, so so what if he's gone in two years? The, the question for me is what, what do I want those two years to look like? And when people say, will it be successful? How are we measuring that success? If we're expecting Antonio Conte to turn up and win the league in his second season, he's not going to. So forget that. He's not going to. What is he there to do? Is his job to go there and work out if Deli Ali is finished or not, or he's just a sulky, whiny little shite bag and deal with him? The fact Definitely is... the latter. But the, the fact is... <laughs> I don't want to wait three years. There are Arsenal fans who are, haven't wanted to wait three years. And Arsenal are still in a place, being as we're talking about Arteta, where finishing fourth is would, would be successful. I mean, after three years, that that's, that's not a great return. It's still another stepping stone on the journey. You know, how, how long do we wait for whatever this mythical success is at Tottenham? I don't want to take a gamble on another manager. You know, if... I would agree with you. If we appointed Nuno Espirito Santo, if we made the right appointment, if you could see some... But we've lost a season now. That's another year gone. Like, nothing's going to happen this year, is it? You know, you can always scrape a cup. Um, there's a manager there. And I think the argument, I'd say, when Wenger was sticking around for longer than he should have, and there was always the argument, well, who else is who else was available? There's no one available. There was never anyone. There's always someone available if you make your move at the right time. And I remember when Tuchel got sacked by PSG and I said, well, you, you should sack Arteta today and get Tuchel because he's available. He's there. Um, we need a big manager with a big personality while the club is still attractive to that sort of manager because we might not get the opportunity. If it goes wrong and... Next season, which will be Conte's first and maybe last full season, he flops and we're still rubbish. Well, we've only lost another year. We can we can we can start again. You know, it's not like there seems to be this sort of doom and gloom approach to football now from fans like you only get one chance to do anything and you can never you, you can never replicate it. At the end of the no, day, I we put in Nuno three months later, we've sacked him. No, yeah. I I agree with that. I just I just feel like Clubs in our position and like Arsenal, like Spurs, where we know how our clubs are run, right? We know them inside out. We know that Arsenal will spend money to a certain point because they're a self-sustained club. That's the way they're run. We know that Tottenham will spend money to a point. But we also know and understand that we're not at that level that City are when it comes to our financial power, that Chelsea are, that Manchester United are. We've looked at Liverpool as a bit of a benchmark in terms of a club that sold well, reinvested it brilliantly, were coached very well and have managed to close that gap. 
But I don't think that Liverpool will win another Premier League title under Jurgen Klopp. And that would prove the point that if you don't spend like City and Chelsea do, then you're not going to, and even United, you're not going to sustain that level of success. So we're kind of in this place where we know that we can't do that, right? Therefore, I think that it's so important that there is a an effective operating model. There is a model that allows you to close the gap as much as is physically possible on those clubs with a greater spending power because there's a direct correlation between who spends the most and who wins the league more yeah, often and than I, not. I guess but, I, I get what you're saying in a sense. That's how we that's how we we did it four years ago. And yeah, okay, we didn't win the league. We we didn't win the FA Cup. I would still argue for six to nine months, we were the best team in the country. Unfortunately, that nine months didn't fall between August and May. So it doesn't account for, for fuck all in the general scheme of things. But then by, by that, by that token, then clubs should be putting their efforts into the academies, clubs like ours. And we've seen at Arsenal, a few players have come out from the academy and, and have made their way into the first team now, which, which has been, which has been really, really helpful. But Right now, right now for us, there's not a great deal coming out of the academy for whatever reason. So I agree that needs to be looked at. That needs to be looked at, at properly because we hear a lot about Tottenham's training ground, but there's not been that much come out of it really compared to other uh, other clubs. Okay, Skip's broken into the first team now. Harry Kane and Harry Winks were probably the last the last first teamers to, to come out of there to play any sort of sustained amount of games. Tanganga's played a handful of games, doesn't really doesn't really amount to to much. But at the same time, you see, you know, Saka and Smith Rowe, who you know I, I was a big fan of before most Arsenal fans had even had even heard of him, to be fair. I've always been a big, big fan of his. Saka, you get the likes of Foden. Um, Foden coming out of Manchester City. You've got Greenwood coming out of United at the same time. So there does need to be some work done on this, on this training ground that we hear so much about. But the first team, as you've identified, does need some urgent. It needs some CPR, doesn't it? It needs it needs something. Antonio Conte will attract players that Eddie Howe, Graham Potter, who, whoever else it may be can't attract okay but so, does and does antonio conte attract top players given <clears> the <throat> given the understanding that he's only signing an 18 month contract with a club and um, and given the fact as well that these pl- players that you're talking about have just watched another seemingly top manager come into the club in jose Mourinho and fail because that yeah, says to me that the structure is wrong that the whole build around Tottenham, that the whole, I don't know if you want to call it the method, the the plan, the, I don't know what you want to call it. It just feels to me like you're skipping a step. You're, you're skipping a step. Someone needs to come in, rip it all out and start again. But a top, top manager, a Conte, uh, you know, a Klopp, a Guardiola, they've earned the right in their careers to not have to go through the shit of building a team. And to go to places and win things. That's what they want to be competing at the highest level all the time. Is, yeah, that, Klopp, why Con- is that why Conte's not signing longer than an 18-month contract? Um, I, d- I don't know whether Conte's asked for that. I, I know, obviously, like the different clubs, as you've pointed out. But when Tuchel joined Chelsea, it was 18 months. Um, I- ironically, Nuno had only signed two years. So so their contracts will end at, end at the same time. We'll, we'll, we'll be paying them both simultaneously. But... Klopp went to Liverpool and had to rebuild it. You know, we say he earned the right to go to a ready-made club, but Liverpool were far from that. I, I think they... No, but he's able... earned the right now, right? He Now he won't go... I don't think he'll go and take another job like that. No, he, 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 he might not, but uh, I guess the landscape's changing a little bit in Spain, isn't it? In, in that these clubs aren't... Um, Barcelona and Real Madrid aren't the um, aren't the gimmies they used to be in terms of in terms of winning stuff and uh, and attracting players. So, I guess my point is there's there's different ways to do things, but if you've got the opportunity to bring Antonio Conte to the club for eighteen months, then I think you're silly not to do it because what is the worst that can happen in the general scheme of things? I yeah, think you would regret it. I think you regret it more. 
you regret it more if you don't take the opportunity. It'd be the same with Mourinho. Let's say Mourinho, let's say Mourinho joined Arsenal, which which could have happened at the same time. Um, Emery had just been sacked, hasn't he? Let's say Mourinho joined Arsenal, and it didn't, and it worked out really, really well for Mourinho at Arsenal. Let's say Conte goes to Manchester United, <clears throat> and you're sitting there thinking, if we just if we just put an extra X amount of transfer fee on the uh, transfer budget on the table, or an extra couple of million quid a year on the table, we could have had him, and we could have had a go. I think we would regret that more. So I take your point; it didn't work with Mourinho. Um, therefore, it may not work with Conte, and the problems are deep rooted. But I think you can always start again. And we're talking about we're talking about a top five manager in the world. Whether I think he's the best manager in the world or not can be argued, debated, and shot down. But he's a top five manager in the world today. Agree, I agree. So, so I, I think it's a no-brainer. <clears throat> I think, and I, I don't want to have a pop at Arsenal because everyone's doing things in a different way. But it was only, I think it was less than it was two weeks ago today, two Monday night footballs ago. There was a ninety-fourth minute equaliser against Crystal Palace, and after the game, there was uproar. And everyone was saying, Arteta's got to go. We need a ready-made manager. And it's like, if you want to be a big club, like Daniel Levy wants to Tottenham to be a big club, albeit he doesn't throw the money around, you have to act like a big club at certain times. And this is one of those times. It doesn't matter that it's not very nice. It doesn't matter that you've only been there three months, Nuno. It doesn't matter that we've stitched you up a bit. We've got an opportunity to bring in the big guns. And we're going to take it. And I know Chelsea have got more money to spend. I know they 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 are more likely to succeed because of that. But this is how this is how those those big clubs act. And this is what this is what we've this is what we've had to do. Like Bayern Munich, they beat Tottenham seven two, and they were I think they were second in the league. And and Kovac got sacked two months later. This is how big clubs act. Yeah, I, I get all that. And just to make it clear to those in the chat, I don't think Conte is a bad manager. I, I've I've gone on record on numerous occasions to say how much I rate him. I don't think that Tottenham should just dismiss the idea of bringing him to the club. My point is simply this. If Tottenham want to rebuild and rebuild in a way that's going to bring them sustainable success, because as I keep saying, unless you're going to keep throwing money, at the transfer window, every single summer, the only way to sustain success or a relative level of success is to have a good system in place, is to build the foundations of a team. And and, and again, you know, I keep making the Arsenal comparison. I'm not saying, like some of you are suggesting in the chat, that Mikel Arteta is gargantuan. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Arsenal as a football club have looked at what, what went wrong They tried to fix things quickly after Wenger's departure, and they've now taken a view that the best way to get sustainable success and get Arsenal back to where they need to be over a period of time and make it last is to build a new, young, hungry team. And even if Mikel Arteta is not the man that takes Arsenal back to the next level, he's done some work that will stand the next manager in good stead because of the way the club are building. Edu, I think, if you watched his recent interview, When you read between the lines of that interview, you got the feeling and the vibe that the recruitment that was done in the summer was was based around the club's needs rather than Mikel Arteta's needs. So what my point here is, is not that Conte is a bad manager, not that Spurs shouldn't get him. Just that I think his chances of succeeding and delivering what it is that the Spurs fans want are limited because of the fact that, in my opinion, they've skip the step of the rebuild and they're going to bring somebody in who is a good manager and will get more of course out of the current crop of players but is that enough when you take into consideration that the squad is not good enough which I think we can all agree on is that enough is Antonio Conte alone enough to take Tottenham back to the next level because I don't think he I think like Nuno in a lot of ways he's going to be in a position from which he can only fail. The The difference is that Conte is better than Nuno and he might not fail as badly and he might find a way of patching things up and getting Tottenham, you know, at least ticking over. But I just feel like we're talking about two clubs in Arsenal and Tottenham. 
that cannot compete financially. Therefore, it's so important that recruitment's right, that the structure is right, that everything is working in tandem and like clockwork. And I just feel like Tottenham keep putting a plaster over the cut rather than actually dealing with the issue. And Arsenal sure. might go backwards in their efforts to try and, and, and fix it properly. But I still think you need to try and fix it properly. And I'd have a lot more respect for Tottenham. Not if they binned off Conte, because I'd get him as well. He's brilliant. But th there needs to be a, a recognition, in my opinion, Dan, that this is not just about the manager at Tottenham. And I think a lot of people think that just by bringing Conte in, it fixes everything and it doesn't. I, I don't know many of these people. I think everyone's pretty clear. Everyone's pretty clear at Tottenham. Everyone's pretty clear at Tottenham that there are big problems at board level. Um, there's been a lot of trouble between the board and the supporters trust recently. Um, that ironically is probably split. We we had we we had fa we had fans booing a, a new manager after like 56 minutes. You know that that's unheard of. We're normally a patient and relax. Everyone knows there's problems, but you know if you're Tottenham today, if you're the Tottenham chairman today, what do you do? At the end of the day, it's not it's not it's not our job as a fan to, to to go and solve every problem. What you want is you want to go in the transfer market and you want to sign the best players available that day. You want to sign, you want to get the best manager available at that particular time. And you need the club to, to the club have the responsibility to worry about the other stuff at, at the end of the day. It's a bit like, you know, when Ronaldo, it was on this show, we had a debate where Ronaldo signed for Man United and people were saying, well, what does that mean for, what does that mean for Greenwood? Greenwood? What does it mean for Rashford? I don't care. I don't care because Ronaldo is available now and I'm going to sign him now and he's going to score goals now. In the meantime, you'll find out about these other people. You know, Antonio Conte, Antonio Conte may leave a trail of destruction behind him. But like you've said about, you know, Arteta, even if he leaves one or two good things that the next manager can take forward, we need a big manager at the football club now today to give us the best chance of navigating through this through this immediate tough period because we might not get a second chance at it. That that that's the reality of it, it, it in in my view. Good stuff. Good stuff. Great debate. And um, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, good to chat to you, mate. Uh, we're going to carry on for a few more minutes because we've got a couple of other bits, but really good to get the kind of Spurs view on this because obviously I've got my opinion and my view, as have all the Arsenal fans in the chat, but we are Arsenal people. Um, that, so it's not no, that, be that's, completely gone. That, that's, I mean, the expectation I would expect, I, I don't, I can't read the chat while I'm, while I'm talking to you. My expectation will be similar to when Mourinho was appointed, it will be, you know, well, Mourinho's finished. Well, is he finished? Hey, he's last actually, actually, you'll find that a lot of the chat is agreeing with you tonight. A lot of them are saying, well, if Conte's available, you go and get Conte. And that's that. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, it's if you were Spurs now, who would you appoint? I, I guess would be my question. Or if Arteta got sacked tomorrow because he had a run of results like Nuno did, what would you do? Would you then go to Conte? Or would you go back to Arteta? It depends on an Arteta type. It depends, I suppose, you would say, it depends where you think you are in terms of that, that top-to-bottom no, restructure. I, I think you've got to look at the bigger picture. And the reason I wouldn't have pulled the trigger on Mikel Arteta after three games in the season is because you could see that at the very least they were rebuilding a new team. They were, they were building a side that had Ramsdale at the centre of it. Gabriel and White as centre-backs. Tommy Asu coming in, another young player. Kieran Tierney, very solid left-back. Moving into midfield, you know, Lokonga had come in, someone who's going to take that mantle, hopefully, from Thomas Partey <clears throat> one day. Odegaard coming in, another young player. Saka, Smith-Rowe. I was looking at it and saying, OK, the results aren't there at the moment, but I can see the transformation that is slowly happening. Will it turn out to be the right thing? Will it work? We don't know that yet. We can't possibly see into the future. But I could see that there was some kind of turnover happening. And and with Tottenham, bringing in Antonio Conte right now without giving him money to spend in January. And I, I'm not saying that Tottenham will give him no money to spend in January, but I don't envisage it being hundreds of millions of pounds. I And obviously, January is notoriously more difficult to do deals in. It's more difficult to move players on. I just don't see 
I see the manager improving and him lifting the level, which he should. But I also don't see where, you know, where, where the turnover, what's actually happening in the background. I think it's more than just the manager. And, and that's kind of my point. Yeah, no, no, agreed. It, it is um, the easiest place to start is is the manager. Um, some clubs do it a lot with with success. Some clubs do it a lot and don't move anywhere. Um, the fact is, we've got to we've got to a place very quickly where it's pretty clear Nuno Espirito Santo isn't going to work. Pulling the trigger, whether it's today or in three months' time, is inevitable. So why not do it now? And if there's a world-class manager sat on the bench ready to come and manage you, then I'm all for it. And you know what? If people are suggesting Tottenham are a small club, which they may well be, then we're very, very lucky to have him. So I'm even more it, for it. Get him in. Here's, here's a good question for you, Dan. It's going to be a bad question, isn't it? If Conte had a choice between Arsenal and Spurs, given their current states, what do you think he'd choose? <laughs> And, and and I'll answer this honestly as well. Given their current states, yeah, I could answer this two ways, wondering minstrel. I could argue that if Antonio Conte really wanted to manage Arsenal, he could have made one phone call about four weeks ago and he'd be managing Arsenal today. Um, Do you think that? No, I'm just being facetious. Um, <laughs> if Conte had a choice between AFC and Spurs, what would he choose? I think he'd probably choose Arsenal today if you're looking at where the clubs are today. Let's not forget that Spurs have finished ahead of Arsenal five seasons in a row now. But I, I think he would choose Arsenal because the the vibe around the club is clearly better. The togetherness of the team is better. The players are working harder. He hasn't got big players wanting to leave and uh, and other big players underperforming like Deli Ali and obviously Harry Kane. So I think it'd be a much easier job for a big manager to move into and I would argue he'd probably have more of a transfer budget as well. I don't know if I'm wrong about that so I think he'd choose Arsenal. Then you've got the other factor that Spurs have got Paratici at the club which is probably a big sway. Do I think Antonio Conte would be joining Tottenham tomorrow if Paratici wasn't there? Absolutely not. So I think to answer your question, I'm going to give you the answer you want to hear, Wondering Minstrel Man. Um, I think if he had a straight up choice between the two clubs he would choose. He would choose Arsenal, um, but but he isn't. So yeah, good stuff. I don't know what I, else to add. Really, I think I think he'd choose Arsenal as well for the reasons you mentioned. But I also think that um, the 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 kind of the Paratici factor is massive as well. And and I agree with you that he's not going to Spurs without that. So that's obviously um, played a massive massive part there. But look, Spurs hired him, so fair play. Um, to them, they brought Paratici in with the idea that he would bring help bring in good players and good managers and good coaches. So he's done exactly what it says on the tin, which is... If 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 this deal doesn't happen, I'm not coming back on tomorrow. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you. I wasn't going to put you through that tomorrow if that happened. I've got a heart, man. I've got a heart. Just one final uh, subject I just want to quickly touch on uh, before we go. But... In the meantime, while you're waiting for us to get onto that subject, make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. There are plenty of you watching us live at the moment across the multiple platforms. We've only got 37 likes on the board. I want to get that up to at least 50 by the time we answer this next question. So make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. And for those of you who are asking if this has turned into a Spurs podcast, no, it has not. This is our social club show where we talk about the biggest stories from the Premier League. And there was nothing else as significant today to discuss as this. In fact, we called an emergency social club for this very subject. But the final question uh, or final topic I just want to discuss briefly, Dan, is the, the emergence of Unai Emery as the favourite with the bookmakers to take the job at Newcastle United. Now, before we say good evening and good night to everybody, what's your take on this? Because this come out of the blue to me. I mean, I, if I was Newcastle, wouldn't touch Unai Emery with a barge pole because I didn't enjoy his time at Arsenal. Um, I'm not sure he's a manager that is at, 
I don't want to say he's at the level because he is at the level. He's he's more than a Premier League relegation fighting manager. But I don't know if Unai Henry would be the right choice for for Newcastle. And I think Newcastle fans would probably be a bit underwhelmed by that appointment. Or is that a realistic appointment given where they find themselves? Um, look, I, I guess the only place he hasn't done well is Arsenal for whatever reason. The main one being he was following Wenger. It was a really, really tough job. I'll tell you why it makes sense. It makes God. sense because he's been to PSG. He's had a sack full of money. He's had big egos and he's worked for owners who are very, very demanding. So I think he will take that in his, in his stride. So there's the positives. Is he an inspiring character? Probably not. Do I think he can attract players to Newcastle that wouldn't have otherwise gone to Newcastle? just on his reputation alone. I don't think so. So it might be a wasted opportunity there. But I think it's a good stepping stone for them. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna turn up tomorrow and appoint you know, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, they they yeah. could have tried they could have tried to get Antonio Conte, obviously I can only assume they 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 haven't even bothered attempting that. But as a stepping stone, I actually think when the emotion gets taken out of it and you forget his time at Arsenal. When you think about it logically, it actually makes it actually makes sense. He's he's won he's won silverware. He's managed um, he's managed in different environments, but most importantly, he's managed against the club with unlimited funds, with the type of owners that that Newcastle have now. So I think he'll be he'll be well equipped of what to expect, and I think he'll have the um he'll have the experience and the backbone to get him off to a good start. I think. Yeah, I, I totally appreciate I'm going to put this disclaimer in. I know that my view of Unai Emery is skewed by the fact that I'm still scarred from his time at Arsenal. I really didn't enjoy his time at the club. Um, so, yeah, he might be a good appointment. We'll have to see if that unfolds. They'll have to pay Villarreal a handsome sum to get him out of his contract, but we know that Newcastle can afford it. So uh, that shouldn't be an issue. Just an update for you, Dan, uh, at the time of recording, while we're live, Fabrizio Romano has just tweeted... Antonio Conte to Tottenham, confirmed, and here we go. The contract until June 2023 will be signed on Tuesday. The verbal agreement is now done. He's back in the Premier League. Fabio Paratici wanted him since June and changed Conte's mind. Incredible work. So it looks like that appointment is imminent, and we're probably going to hear about it uh, tomorrow. You'll probably hear about it by the time you've listened to this podcast, if you're listening via our audio platforms. But we're there. We're done. We're at the end. It's uh, been a weird one. Been talking about Spurs a lot and that feels alien to me, but uh, it's been a good chat. Dan, thank you so much, mate, uh, for coming on as always and being a great sport because I know that being a Spurs man, coming on an Arsenal podcast isn't, uh, is not is probably a little bit awkward for you sometimes. You're on mute. <laughs> well, that's the first time I've made sense the whole show as well and I was on mute and, 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 you, and you couldn't hear me. But yeah, I I do imagine I get quite a lot of a uh, quite a lot of uh, abuse, but um, I, I I I don't I don't mind. I like to have a I like to have a chat with Arsenal fans from time to time. It's um it's always a uh, always good bounce. But yeah, I'm happy that he's in. I just want to you know my feelings on Fabrizio Romano. So, <laughs> being you mentioned him, so just for everyone else, I respect Fabrizio Romano, 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 because. He puts the hours in. But what this guy does, he hasn't got any contacts whatsoever anywhere. But what he basically does is he stays up all night just rewording other people's stories in a really professional way. And right here we go at the end. And he earns absolute millions because he put the hours in. So I respect him, but I just want to share this with you. Okay, so this is... So I'm a bit weird. So I screenshot stuff that I know is going to be wrong. And then I and then I and then I save it. So I'm just going to find this. I'm just going to hijack your show for 90 seconds. Go for it, man. So Love to hear about Fabrizio Morano all day. Romano. <laughs> it's a Rom It's a next time you go into Pizza Express and ask for Morano base, you're going to be in trouble, right? Um, where is it? Where is it? Where he's is it? Where is it? For it. Yeah, while so he I, is, while you he have a little chat. For it, while he's looking for it, I just want to say, I will uh, withhold or reserve my right not to speak about Fabrizio Romano. He is a 
guest he has been a guest of the show on a couple of occasions so i'm not going to say a word in response to whatever it is that dan's about to come out with but go for it mate <laughs> okay dear listeners this is this is fabrizio romano on the 25th of october that's six well seven days ago one week ago it says to be clear that's clear about antonio conte he's never been a fan of joining clubs during the season as it's not in his style the only club right now that could change Antonio's mind is Manchester United. That's for Brizio Romano, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. <laughs> what a way to bow out. What a way to bow out. It's been a great show, Dan. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you to all of you uh, for joining us in the live chat. Thank you to everybody who will be watching or listening to this back later on. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna if you're new. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back very, very soon with some more Arsenal and Premier League related content. Until next time, take care. Good night. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.